You're now experiencing data with Brian O'Neill. Experiencing data explores how product managers, analytics leaders, data scientists, and executives are looking at design and user experience as a way to make their custom enterprise data products and analytics applications more useful, usable, and valuable. And now, here's your host, the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics, Brian O'Neill. All right, welcome back to Experiencing Data. Uh, today, I'm happy to have Amr Inam on the phone uh, to talk about uh, data science, design, advanced analytics, uh, and a bunch of other good things. Uh, we recently met uh, on LinkedIn, and I, I really liked some of the stuff uh, Amr was talking about when we had a just kind of an ad hoc call about uh, some research that I'm doing, and there was a nice click, and so I wanted to have him come on the show and and repeat some of the cool things he said. Um, so, Amr, welcome. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. So, tell, uh, tell my audience a little bit about uh, who you are and where, where you've been and where you're going. Uh, yeah, just take a couple of minutes. Um, I consider myself an evangelist of data science, and that's kind of how I describe myself, and uh, have been doing data science since before it was called data science, uh, for almost uh, 20 years at this point, uh, work in many different industries, everything from financial services to uh, healthcare. Uh, journey has taken me to uh, West Fargo and PwC and Nike and um, various other places. That's great. And so mm -hmm. can you tell people a little bit about uh, your particular role and uh, your, your expertise? Like, are you you know, building models yourself? Are you leading teams? Like what's your, what's your kind of meat and potatoes? My journey really started uh, back in the days uh, with institutional research, which again, looking at uh, psychometric evaluation, uh, understanding human behavior, attitudes, and things like that, really hands-on work. Uh, Move from there to more statistical modeling in financial services. And over time, transition into slowly kind of the trajectory of the career into uh, building and developing teams over time um, and more and more advanced work with, with uh, machine learning, uh, along with the progress of building bigger and bigger team and, and in larger responsibilities. And most recently in the last uh, three places that I've been, um, I headed up the uh, data science, machine learning, advanced analytics functions uh, at, at some of these uh, uh, firms that I have mentioned. Um, it's been fun. I mean, what excites me is, is how transferable data science is. And, and then, again, when I said I consider myself an evangelist to data science, one of the things that keeps me going and moving is these different industries and companies that are uh, looking to transformation, looking forward to that transformation, and they do strongly believe that data science uh, has to be a part of that equation. And I love being part of, of that journey and then coming in and starting things from ground up, uh, setting up COEs, uh, roadmaps, and um, executing and then solving interesting, challenging problems. 
So how, can you give me an example of mm-hmm. a, you know, if you, if you were coming in clean into a company and they're, you know, trying to do something new and innovative with data, for example, well, first of all, yeah. is that the kind of question you get? And secondly, how do you take a broad mandate uh, uh, to perhaps use AI or something like that and get to the first something that's valuable? Like, what's that? How do you do that? Yeah, it's it, it's 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 fascinating sometimes, and that's a good question because a lot of the companies that I've been in, um, sometimes the mandate has been do something with AI. AI is this thing we're hearing about and we want to talk about it and uh, just go do something with AI. Give me something, right? So it can be something as vague as that to our competitiveness in the marketplace. It's not as strong as it used to be. Others have leapfrogged us or leapfrogging us. We need to do something about it. Uh, And can analytics help in that? So Coming in, usually what I do is I take more of a management consulting approach to it and dig in and uh, sit down with, starting with kind of a senior leadership and try to understand uh, where they are coming from, what they are trying to do, understanding the why uh, before we can understand the what and the how. Um, Understanding the why in the sense that Understanding the pain points, looking into, so for example, the business strategies for understanding like, hey, what, what, is your, what is your charter for the year, for example? What KPIs are, are you utilizing to measure the, the effectiveness of the business profitability and, and things like that and the growth and, and problem areas? And it's through that initial dialogue and, and in discovery, uh, start to kind of narrow the focus a little bit and go deeper into some of the functions. And depends on the type of the companies. For example, when I was doing this work at automotive retail, um, the inventory and and then pricing, for example, is essentially what drives the the, the company. Um, so it essentially thinking about like what is what is the currency of that particular organization, and and then digging into that core function of that of, of that firm, and digging in deeper. So through that dialogue and discovery, understanding and evaluating what needs to be done and what can be done, along with that is an assessment of the quality and health of the data and quality and health of their platform and infrastructure and quality and health of their business processes. What I've seen is that um, a lot of times we can build models, uh, we can bring the best of the technologies or optimal technologies in the platforms. But in the end, if the business process and the people are not ready to take it and use it, that's where it fails. Um, and I've seen a statistic like 87% of the data science models uh, don't make it into uh, production. And I, and I strongly have seen that. And uh, one of the thing around that is really uh, it needs to get out of that experimental experimentation phase. And one of the approaches that I have taken is more of a uh, rapid prototyping and incremental development and continuous testing. So, Throughout that process and then through my experience, what I had seen is that um, human centering is very critical in, in success. Like unless we augment human decision with the human at the center of it, um, any kind of production development, utilization, um, it's going to be hard. 
So again, taking back to your question around how do I come in first? So really, it's a very comprehensive assessment of readiness and maturity. And along with that readiness and maturity is also trying to understand who are going to be the advocates of the work and who are going to be detractors, who are persuadables and in who I should not even bother talking to. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, exactly. Um, and then from there on, it's, it's in, uh, uh, that assessment then usually leads to a document that lists out uh, what is possible and doable and working with essentially the leadership that supports analytics to figure out uh, prioritization of, of what to do next and a way to go next from there on. And then that step then is very essential because that's where the buy-in comes in. And after that, I usually, once the budget comes through, I usually don't try to bring in a lot of folks and then start to build out an empire or something. The approach usually is... Uh, get a couple of folks in, uh, perhaps some um, augmented workforce, either with partnership with an analytics consulting firm or, or uh, uh, outsource resources, just, just to get some momentum to, uh, with experimentation to uh, prove out the value uh, before we start to kind of, it, it helps in justification for adding, uh, requesting for the budgets to start to build out team. But that experimentation phase is really, really critical in uh, um, legitimizing uh, uh, this, this new way of thinking about business. And tell me about, um, that. that's great information. And uh, as you know, we're part of the reason why uh, I felt this like-minded thing is because, uh, as, as you said, um, putting humans at the center of these uh, initiatives drives better value and it, it actually makes sure that these these uh, tools and products and, and data products and things that we're making actually get used, yeah. which is which is what ultimately is going to determine whether or not there's any business value because the data itself doesn't have any value until it's acted upon. No. I, one of the things that's been like stuck in my ear, like an earworm or just this like idea in my head is that... W- you hear about you like you mentioned a lot of the models uh, uh, fail to get into uh, to production still, and so this is the this is the ongoing theme of basically large analytics, uh, whether you call it big data analytics, AI. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. We're we're putting a ton of throwing a lot of money at these problems. We're still creating poor solutions that end up not doing anything, and I kind of wonder if like putting aside the technical reasons why things uh, can fail, like, well, it's a great model, but it's too complicated. It's like, we don't even have the machine power to use it. So that's like, I would say, okay, that's a technical problem. But when we say like, oh, we couldn't get a cross-departmental thing or, you know, the right integration, do you agree that like ultimately the finance department or the sales team, those are still people, even though they're business departments. So part of the human centered design thinking is that these are actually people like even though they're business departments and businesses have their their own kind of vibe they're like an uh, they're like an organic creature and and i get that but they're still people and i wonder if this the reason why these things get lost is because we think of them as like well i don't know but we gave you know it didn't do what we asked and so we did our part and it's fine and they treat it like this behemoth thing as opposed to people like do you agree with that or like <laughs> i no i 100 percent wholeheartedly agree with that and i've seen that so much 
the the challenge that I've seen, of course, I've had failures too, right? And then the first thing is usually like, I'm going to come in and my team is going to come in and we are data scientists. We are going to build this amazing model that's going to help everybody. And why won't they just love it? And they will use it. And we would build something and then take it out and like, you know, head nods and yeah, 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 that looks good. And try to get into the hands of the people and then utilization is just not there. Uh, there's no trust. People say like, yeah, there's another. The thing is like what I've seen is, and I don't want to like uh, sound negative, but but let me phrase it. So I'm thinking how to phrase it. But in a way, typically sometimes I run into is um, business organizations uh, respond, especially the end users respond, uh, another IT type thing where they are going to come up with some, giving us some sort of a new software or some sort of a new tool, why won't they just let us be? And I, I've seen that a lot. Or we know our business better. We know the ground realities better. Uh, here comes management with a new flavor in town. Uh, sure, this will disappear. I've, I've actually heard that type of language very, very openly. And then that's more recently because I've begun to, uh, sit down with end users, try to truly understand uh, the mindset. Um, again, going back to the human centric. And um, the other third thing I, I also hear again is this uh, bundling of uh, data science um, as an IT initiative, because again, for, for a lot of end users, uh, they have a hard time differentiating and they, a lot of these enterprises have gone through ERP implementations and things like that and all the pain that comes with it. So it all kind of gets bundled in. So uh, when that happens, there's already a, an expectation of complexity, uh, lack of awareness and understanding, transparency that is built in. And when that expectation is built in, uh, going over there, that hump is hard. So <laughs> in a way, to make these data science projects more successful, we have to understand the reality of that and, and these sort of the learned and trained behavior at enterprise level in different among people and processes. And then without truly acknowledging and understanding that and then tackling these uh, data science implementation issues as essentially change management, uh, it's going to be really hard to actually get uh, successful implementation of uh, uh, data science-based data products and then getting into the hands of people. Ha have you? Do you have any concrete examples you can give us mm -hmm. of how ha how you got um, an you know an internal customer who's a recipient yeah. of one of these quote IT tools that are going to be thrown upon us and maybe you did it a different way such that they were I I don't want to feed you like what I might do uh -huh. but like something that. <laughs> that involved a before and after where, you know, let's try it a different way where we actually involve that person in the creation of a service that's going to help them as opposed to delivering yes. them something that we made in the closet over here. Do you have any examples <laughs> of that and, and what that experience was like? Yeah, I actually have several examples of that. Uh, that really has been the approach that I have taken for the last uh, seven years or so. Um, in developing and building and implementing the data products. Uh, going back to the failure first a little bit, because you know we all learn from our mistakes. 
Um, and uh, failure really was, uh, again, that approach where uh, we built some models. Um, and I was in um, automotive retail at that point. And um, we came in, we're like, yeah, we're going to do this pricing optimization for, for, uh, for vehicles, new, new car pricing. Um, and give it to all of these uh, uh, general managers in different stores, and then their new pricing managers will use our pricing because it's going to be better. Um, and and it, 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 it failed because we focused only on like a very typical process data, like let's, let's use the data, understand from the data, talk about, understand the business, uh, look at the depth, you know, uh, breadth and depth of the business and try to understand all of the complexities. I mean, I mean, we did it the best we could from a data science perspective, but we truly didn't really hone in or even involve the end users at all, because assuming that, yeah, if it's wrong, they can always override it. I mean, we, we built that override as a functionality in it. But when we brought that pricing to the, to the end users, which were the uh, new car uh, sales managers, I mean, they, they hated it. They, they didn't like it. And the first reaction really was uh, this extreme negativity where they were just uh, picking it apart. Like, why would you price it like this? Why did you do that? Why would you do it this way? This price is way off. We're going to lose so much money on this one. Um, so, so after the initial setback, uh, we said, you know, there is, there is some value. There's a lot of actually value in this feedback. Let's listen to this feedback. Um, and then, then this, this, this introspection started and this dialogue started. So, let's, so the, the dialogue, so let, let's take, take a look at this particular car. Uh, model thinks that this is a highly desirable vehicle. This is a BMW something something uh, that typically sells at this much margin on average. And then the sell-through usually is this much. So based on that, if we want to optimize on between the sell-through and uh, the margin, the model is predicting that it should be priced this way. And the um, car sales folks will say like, well, there's no way I can sell this car for that much because this car is brown color. Like, oh, aha. Or this particular truck um, we modeled it for this much, and it's like, no, you guys have modeled as $10,000 lower than it should be. Uh, okay, so what are we missing? Well, we put an aftermarket uh, lift kit in this that is highly desirable in this particular market in South Carolina. So, so that's, a, that's an issue of uh, data not available and then desirability at, high, at that local marketplace level. Um, things like that. And also there was an aspect of competitiveness uh, that people were talking about. Um, so again, through that, that dialogue introspection, we, and we acknowledge like, no, you guys are right. We are basically a bunch of geeks uh, who played with data. And without your help and participation, we can't get it right. Uh, so that, that acknowledgement and understanding was, again, kind of, being a little bit vulnerable is, is a good thing uh, with your end user, at least in my opinion. Uh, many others may, 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 may disagree with that. Um, but but what, wait, like could, to... could you expand, just explain? I think you just said something really important. Tell uh -huh. us, t tell, share with my audience what it means to be vulnerable. 
in that context? What? Yeah, the, the vulnerable in this sense is um, the perspective that I've found to be very successful. And again, like we are all scientists in the end, and science is about learning and then and then being open and introspective and being able to understand where things work and not work. So if we come to the table with hubris that we can do an, an, everything and anything, we're not going to learn. That, so that, that vulnerability in the sense is coming to the table with, with a sense of empathy and respect for the others as well. So what, so what the other person on the other side of the table doesn't have a, you know, a college degree, but they are also doing a job that they are good at. And, and we, we must learn from that because we are trying to build a system that is supposed to augment their work. And we have to earn their, again, the, the empathy component is critical because um, without that empathy and transparency, number one, we can't build that human connection. And without that human connection, we can't build a solution that is something that they would um, essentially uh, accept. And acceptance, yeah, I mean, I can see it, it's not, I'm kind of using the term loosely a little bit there, but because sometimes like you just have to have a management mandate for 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 a tool to be put out there and used but it's it's the this, this, the i think that what i'm trying to get to is acceptance of a product versus something that is forced on them when you have an acceptance you actually have people who would wholeheartedly use it and they'll participate with you and then they make the product better and and then as part of that um we learn a lot too so Again, they're coming to the table with that uh, sense of like respect and empathy is, is very critical. And then that a little bit of a vulnerability in the sense that we don't have all the solutions. Let's work on it together. And then that brings transparency to the process. The transparency, again, as you know, as you mentioned, um, uh, the, there's, a, there's a lot of distrust about the black boxes. And uh, without that sense of transparency and understanding, uh, people wouldn't trust the black boxes. And, and a lot of people do see like AI or, or, or things like that as uh, uh, potentially a replacement for, for, uh, for humans. And we have to kind of get through that barrier. And one of the ways to do that is really understanding people and, and, and uh, helping them understand that this is not a replacement, but this is an augmentation. And it cannot be augmented um, unless you participate in it. Yeah, I think what I I love what you're saying here and I think I think one of the really important points here is that there is the there's there's very impressive technical work that uh, data scientists and people working in advanced analytics are doing. It, it's very impressive on a on an academic level, but it may not be in quote impressive on a real-world business level to someone that doesn't understand how it's going to make my life better or how I'm going to look better to my boss or whatever, whatever it may be. And I, so I, I think the really important point here is that early on with these initiatives, it's important to figure out what is going to stop this person from potentially engaging with my service. I mean, ultimately you want to know what will, what will help them, but you definitely also want to be keeping an ear out for what stuff would make them not like as soon as they see like there's no freaking way I'm going to sell this truck with this lift kit it's paid at this price in South Carolina or whatever as you said because you have no idea what their life is like you know nothing about that market 
but you just assume because your model's 96 point whatever percent predictive that of course they'll use this recommendation we gave them. No, they won't. Now, their, their opinion might be different if they were had participated along the way and maybe talked about some of these things and, use, and, and they learned that, oh, I know that this model may get things wrong because right now there's no color information, but they, they know that they're working on that and they know that we've said color is way more important than you thought. And I'll bet a lot of the, maybe a lot of the data people never thought that the color was really that relevant to like the overall pricing. And they're like, are you kidding? Like, does it have a cup holder, right? Like <laughs> we all know these stories they're like, well, I bought this one because I like the feel of the seat and the cup holder. And this is why they always want you to take a test drive, right? All these qualitative mushy kinds of things that determine value to somebody. The same thing happens to the guy selling the car too, right? Like, are you going to help me make more money, get my commission up, make me look good to my boss. Those are the things that you want to uncover as part of your mission to yeah. provide data. It's not just about the software. Uh -huh. It's it's about making the software engaging. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and you know, and then the human centering that I that that I've been speaking of is it's not just putting the your end user at the center of it, but your end users are the last mile that connect to the consumers. And they are the best in terms of uh, having that pulse on the consumer. So if we, the ultimate, ultimate goal really is from human centering is to center it on the consumer, these, these, these folks in the front line really are the ones who are providing some of the best insights on what do the consumers actually and really want uh, because they have those daily interactions. So through that interaction and in their participation, we, we, can, we, build, uh, we can build products that are more and more closer to consumer wants. Sure, sure. So, are, are there, so you kind of told us that, that before story and kind of you had some learning that happened there. So can you get even like down a level, like how you do it now and like re really tactically speaking, like, like we all talk about, okay, human centered and like, oh, I involve my stakeholder, but like, that's so, it's so general. Like, so what, what does it really mean? Like, what are you doing all day and, and to, to get them involved? Like, could you expound on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, 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 good kind of a uh, next step into the dialogue that you're having. The, like like all sciences uh, uh, and you know everything. So I've gone through this process of evolution in understanding from the mistakes and the failures on what do we need to do to get to a success. So digging into a little bit here, um, my process now, uh, and I kind of rough, roughly call it like human-centered data science or human-centered AI and um, and uh, in a way, because I want to make sure that human centering is part of the process. So the process, the way it works now is this. Uh, first phase is still a very management consulting uh, uh, type approach with a deep, deep dive uh, discovery uh, with lots of interviews um, up and down the ladder from senior management to end users to truly trying to understand the, the depth and the breadth of the problem. And as part of that, we're not only understanding uh, what we are trying to solve, but what type of data we would need to bring in, um, internal, external, different factors. Um, and 
with that, we're continuously testing and checking against the readiness from the data technology platform perspective. The other critical element as part of the discovery is that I have uh, I've started engaging lean coaches as part of the initial discovery. And lean coaches truly get um, embedded into it, the eva evaluation of the people and the process aspect. Because in the end, if we don't understand people in the process, uh, the, 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 essentially the adoption is not going to work. Um, in the end, as I had mentioned, a lot of these data science uh, exercises or projects or, or development of data products, um, we have to really think about it as a change management exercise uh, and then nothing short of that. So, so having that change, change management mentality from the, from the get-go is, is very, very, very critical. So understanding that uh, people process. And then people, it really it also helps understand who are going to be the promoters versus the detractors um, and who do we need to engage, who are the experts, uh, things like that. Um, as part of the then, then discovery, uh, with this, this deep discovery, which takes about... Uh, two weeks, um, we, sometimes we would also do these game storming sessions where we would bring in, um, let's just say, three different layers of folks uh, uh, from the function. So leaders, not, not the senior most leader, but some sort of a middle management layer uh, all the way down to the end users. And, and I try to do some brainstorming, game storming time sessions, very, very kind of a design thinking type of, just to get people out of their shell and start to think about business problems uh, without the, the, the burden of whether something is solvable or not, like leave that burden to us. Uh, and these, these open dialogues uh, and then taking more of a design thinking based approaches to brainstorming, lots and lots of sticky notes on the, on the walls and, and, and then let, letting, letting the, the uh, uh, people's like, thinking run a little bit wild and then we bring that in and start to consolidate and put them into different uh, buckets and then for each of in a way it's kind of doing like a uh, um, manual classification or segmentations of what we have heard uh, or, or topic modeling in this case and and uh, with that bucketing of these these topics we start to truly understand the de the breadth of the problem and what do we need to bring in so for example um, uh, the when I was at Nike, we worked on a uh, project there. We built an optimization tool for Nike's uh, high heat uh, footwear. And uh, high heat fitness model is really around uh, high demand, uh, scarce products in the marketplace that create buzz for the brand. And with that buzz comes the halo effect that pulls the rest of the inline products with it. So it's a, it's a, it's a very critical, um, um, it's actually a very, very, very critical um, uh, strategy, a product strategy for Nike from a brand perspective and what it does to the rest of the, uh, rest of the brand and the rest of the business, but also a very complex problem to solve because there is so much art goes into it. So, uh, and then the art being, human decisioning, understanding, and awareness because we are really trying to hone in and understand this sneakerhead culture and the subculture of sneakerheads and what they want and, did and then don't want and what drives them. 
um, what are all the factors that impact desirability of a certain product so that we can optimize the, the volume that we put into marketplace to keep that buzz alive and then, um, and then keep people pining uh, for more and more. Um, so without truly understanding that, that end users, we, we can't really build a model. Uh, if we just use a typical uh, data science approach to building a um, demand, uh, uh, demand forecast, it's, it's just going to be looking at the previous sales and maybe some product features and then some external factors from macroeconomic and stuff like that. Uh, we build a model, test it out, back test it, try to get some sense of accuracy, hyperparameter, uh, 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 you know, play with that so much that we, we finally get a good model and then put it out there. But uh, it just, just wouldn't, wouldn't work in situations like these. And so that evaluation understanding helps understand that, no, what matters here is desirability of the product, stories that each product is telling to the consumer, um, the, the look and the feel of the product. How much brand is putting value on it? Are there any any uh, 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 KOLs involved here or, or, or key opinion leaders uh, associated with this particular product in the marketplace? Um, how did others things do? And or even uh, uh, factors like sports, uh, certain athletes' performance over season versus uh, versus uh, week to week performance, uh, and many other factors or competitiveness. So there's so much breadth. Of, of, of things that impact uh, a product strategy uh, that understanding and honing into that is very critical. In many cases, the data may even not be available to truly just uh, uh, put it into a model. So uh, coming up with creative ways of, uh, of, of developing and, 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 and adding that data into the model is critical. So um, that 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 deep type discovery really helps to understand at least an initial set, and and it's a highly iterative process. From there on, from that discovery, then it goes into uh, exploration and ideation phase. Exploration and ideation phase is is our is, is essentially the uh, tried and tested uh, exploratory data analysis, um, along with a data gap assessment, uh, technology assessment. Uh, existing tools that are in the business versus do we need to build something new and how would potentially it scale uh, and wh whether what would IT be uh, uh, available to support and if they are not able to support then what can we build that we would end up taking the tech debt uh, from support of that. So a lot of that assessment comes uh, comes in this phase. The Coming out of the exploration and ideation one of the most critical factors that comes out of that is, is, is strategic uh, planning and a strategic finance evaluation. So we actually do some finance modeling as well to get to some initial sense of the value that this particular the initiative might provide. And then there may be actually several competing or, or complementary uh, uh, um, uh, initiative that that would come out of that because we are, we are trying to funnel it down from maybe 100 plus uh, initial ideas discussed to maybe 10. Um, and then those 10 then would go through uh, rapid prototyping. At this uh, rapid prototyping phase, as we, are, as we are trying to do that, this is where we would start to create the, the, the scrum teams that have the um, lean coaches as well as the end users or, or the domain experts as part of the Scrum team itself. So when I talked about 
bringing transparency into the process, empathy, and, and, and all that, it's, it's in the end, everybody wants to be all human. It's our human nature, right? We all want to be respected and valued. And, and in, by including the end users from the beginning, and in fact, one of the uh, key checkpoints for, for me at my, right now is also that from the business leaders, it's one of my uh, requests is that they, they would make their certain types of certain members of their team available 100% to this initiative. Um, and unless that sign-on comes in, uh, I, I don't proceed with that particular project. Um, so that that also ensures that there is a buy-in from the top and then there's an involvement from the top and then they are willing to put in their own resources as well. Um, so so kind of the sense of buy-in is, is, is pushed in a little bit early, uh, earlier in the earlier phases. So in this rapid prototyping phase, it's like really fail fast, fail forward approach to it, building several naive models, a lot of exploration. And of course, models suck at that phase. Many of them are just really bad and awful. But that's 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 the vulnerability component I spoke to about earlier. So when we show, and it's been fun, like we, you know, we would get the results out and then sit down with either the uh, pricing analysts or merchandising planners or, or demand planners or sales planners or, or or whatever the function you're working with. And and we laugh about the results, like wow, look at this! How how bad the results from the machines are, or or, or it, and it's part of kind of building trust, and and at that that level of transparency really really bring that trust into the process, and people also feel that um, it's analytics gets a little bit demystified to them, um, <clears throat> and uh, the the so so an example I'll give you right so. Let's say we built a model for, for different certain shoes and um, some of our forecasts are better than what the demand planners may have planned uh, forecasted before. And some of our models are really, uh, some of the outputs are uh, forecasts are, are really bad, right? So um, there's a sense of vulnerability that when we bring to the table, then our end users also bring to the table because they, that they, they see that Again, like you're really building a, a bond of trust here. And um, uh, so then they, they start opening up saying like, yeah, uh, maybe your model doesn't uh, know that you know, X, Y, Z, or, or there was certain uh, additional brand push behind this product, or there is a certain new technology in this particular footwear uh, uh, that was desirable to runners, for example, like things like that, um, or, or that this particular product has a really compelling story because uh, uh, LeBron did something, something, or something in his past is associated with this particular thing that the LeBron's fans really love, right? So that there's an, there's a part of that story. Or on the other hand, um, they would say, "Well, we just planned this really high because we were we were trying to chase uh, uh, some some revenue targets, right?" So stuff like that. So that gives us additional data point. So again, that vulnerability based dialogue brings all of these additional factors into the exercise that we would otherwise just not get. See if you agree agree with this or not that by having, you know, by having these downstream customers or in, internal uh, customers who are going to use this tool involved early, the 
the focus it's it's no longer about just coming up with a super predict a super accurate predictive model it's about them trusting the direction so even if like in your idea of prototyping early where the model's going to suck and give bad information if it's presented in a way and and this customer was involved in the the design process of creating this tool now you can have a dialogue about while the numbers suck but they they can see the mountaintop now and they're on the climb with you and maybe and you laugh at it together about how stupid it is but they they can see where it's going as opposed to it landed in their laps out of nowhere and now it's like i don't trust this thing you don't know what my job is like you have no idea what goes into pricing this stuff like you just took a bunch of database fields and put them together or whatever <laughs> with, with that like that that is yeah. that they see the mountaintop with you and they so do. this is why it doesn't have to be super yeah. accurate to yeah. to provide value and get yeah. engagement and it, it's a very good point because because Brian uh, one thing i forgot to mention is that uh, we we run the rapid prototyping with with uh, two week sprints, and then at the end of the two weeks is the our demo with the end users, uh, and then sitting down and having these these deep dive sort of a murder board, uh, we may call it, to dig through like line by line of the outputs. But as part of the output, we always have a dashboard that shows based on the accuracy of the model what is the likelihood business KPI that we are. Uh, we can impact. So even with a sucky model, it starts to show positivity, right? And 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 and, and uh, so so they they really start to see that hey, as we improve this, there is a lot that 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 we can gain for the business from here. That's great uh, feedback. Uh, can you tell us about what this murder board is? Because I don't think uh, everyone's probably going to know what that is. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, murder board is another concept uh, from. Uh, management consulting and the idea is again in in innovation or rapid prototyping is you put an idea uh, on to the board and again there there may be many many different variations for for what i'm calling for a board but the way i we use it is you you put multiple ideas or outputs on a on a board and you do your best to kill it the idea is to not let it survive and after that 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 level of scrutiny if it survives that means it's is good Survival of the fittest. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great, man. It, it, it's been great chatting with you here. We're, we're running up against our time here, but I, I wanted uh -huh. to ask you, do you have any like closing words or is there, is there one thing, uh, some kind of change, uh, someone maybe in your position working with a data science team, a piece of advice uh -huh. or something that you've learned, like before I did this, now I do things this way, it, it, like a learning that you can share with, uh, with our audience? Yeah, um, at least for me, what has been a uh, formula for, of success has been build data products with the pro people, for the people, uh, bring a sense of transparency and vulnerability to the table, and uh, build in increments. Science is, is in the title of data science, and we should approach it with that with continuous ev evaluation and then that evaluation and evolution will lead to products that are going to go into production and they are going to get adopted and utilized and actually start to drive business value that can be measurable. Great. I think that's great advice uh, and thanks for sharing. So uh, it, lastly, um, if someone wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about, I know you do some 
speaking and, and some writing. So how, how does someone uh, check in with you on the line? Um, LinkedIn really is the best, uh, best medium for, to, uh, to connect with me. Okay, great. I will uh, put your LinkedIn uh, link in the show notes. And Amar, it's been great uh, to talk with you about your, your work here. I, I love what you're doing. I love the, cent- the centering around humans and people. Uh, so we're not putting crap out there that no one uses. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for uh, uh, giving me the opportunity, Brian. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it with the hashtag Experiencing Data. To get future podcast updates or to subscribe to Brian's mailing list, where he shares his insights on designing valuable enterprise data products and applications, visit designingforanalytics.com slash podcast.